at last, a breath of fresh air. In a place like this, you can let go of whatever weighs you down. When a ragtag group of climbers stumbles upon a small Utah town, Joe's Valley has everything we've ever looked for in a bouldering area. Like, this is sick. A culture clash ensues. They're doing what? Climbing on our rock. We're quite a conservative group. A lot of town people really was kind of against the climbers. Are these guys going to kidnap our kids? Can climbers and locals find a way to bridge the divide? As far back as I can remember, the ocean is where I could hide. I could get away from the land. That was where all the trouble was. Lives together. I'm leaving soon. I wish you a nice trip. Me too. I'm not going anywhere. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think we have a ways to go there. We have safe sport now, which we didn't have when I was you know, living with these conditions and suffering the abuse. But for safe sport, you have to go to them. I'd like to see a neutral third party that is constantly checking in with athletes around, around the United States, something that they have to do, almost like an anti-doping drug test that you have to do whether you want to do it or not. In a place like this, guns pointed at us. I was afraid for my life. Climbing this is your means more than I ever knew it could. Palestinians. We have a collective trauma. On and on. Climbing is an escape from all that. Good afternoon, KZMU listeners from Moablandia and beyond. This is Lisa, your host of Great Wide Open. Also available streaming at the touch of a fingertip wherever you get your pods. You can do it at the kzmu.org website or you can go to any one of the numerous streaming sites. Okay, promotional considerations out of the way. Let's talk about why we are here today. It is December, and every December we do a media mashup mashdown here on Great Wide Open. Our mashup show is similar to a lot of media review shows in that we will offer some recommendations of ways to listen or watch or read away these long winter nights. Yet we are different in the fact that we do not restrict ourselves to the year at large. Anything's on the table for this show, any form of media, and any year or era in which it may have been produced. Reviews are crowdsourced from uh, whoever wants to submit a review or a form of media to be reviewed, but you're mostly going to be hearing my voice today, and let's be honest, my take on a lot of these things. And I do want to say thank you to everyone who did send a suggestion or a review for today's show. Much appreciated. On that note, uh, let's get on with the show. You're looking at Mother Nature build these mountains of water that are crashing down with intensity that nobody's ever seen. Hawaii's biggest swell in years. A storm with hurricane-force winds. It's the largest ever recorded. 
we'd heard it was undoable. It was just asking to die. I've been waiting a lifetime to ride this thing out here. Legendary surfer Larry Hamilton has pioneered the sport of riding huge waves. He was just fearless. We all thought he was crazy. There to do these things that nobody had ever seen. When he was out there surfing, it was like he was in his backyard playing with his toys. Controversial. Incorrigible. He's as radical as they come. Reckless. Visionary. The legends start to grow. The broader surfing world turned away from him. I was a little bit of a radical. Full of testosterone and just obnoxious. He would pop of the wave and fly in the air and do a flip. He didn't even care if he ate it or not. He created a monster. As far back as I can remember, the ocean is where I could hide. I could get away from the land. That was where all the trouble was. Laird completely redefined what it meant to be a surfer. He has demanded quite a bit of his body. He's had multiple injuries. There's definitely a roadmap of damage. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to do this. I think sometimes we all feel like we're limited. We are, but maybe less than we think. He has to conquer that. That's what defines Larry. We're subjected to Mother Nature. You made a mistake, you paid. When you did the right thing, you were rewarded. So what you just heard was the trailer for the Laird Hamilton biopic entitled Take Every Wave. And we are going to be starting every segment today with a little bit of a teaser or trailer from each individual selection. This documentary is uh, nothing new. I think it was released in 2017. In fact, you can find it on the good old YouTube for free. This, uh, this documentary is really interesting to me. It was really long. Um, I had to watch it in a couple of settings. The film was made by Rory Kennedy, who has typically handled a little bit more um, global and some might say serious or important subjects, but she agreed to take on Laird Hamilton, and this is a very interesting documentary. What he does and what his friends do is just insane, and it's worth it to just watch the video footage alone is pretty mind-boggling that they were prescient enough to film all the stuff they were doing, especially in the days when they were keeping some of their big wave locations a secret, and watching the evolution of the sport from um, classic surfing to toe and surfing to foil surfing is pretty fascinating. Laird himself, he is or comes across as a very complicated character and I don't think he shies away from that but as it is not uncommon to see in the shadows of greatness or shall we say in the wake of greatness some wide swaths filled with debris left along the way. And the story of Laird Hamilton certainly contains those. But yeah, give this a watch. It's just really fascinating. And you're standing on the edge of your seat 
wondering if these guys are going to make it back from some of these adventures, and sometimes they barely do. All right, we're going to move on right along to the next teaser trailer. You know, there was so much misinformation over the years about why I left, what the Oregon Project was like, and I just felt like was, I had, there was enough time where I had sort of healed from my own wounds, and I felt like this was the right time to put it all on paper and tell the full story from my point of view and in hopes that it helps someone else in the future. But has he paid enough of a price in, in, in your mind? Yes. I, I'm not out to ruin his life. He made the choices he made. He lost his ability to coach, which is something that he loved. And that really is all I cared about, making sure that no one else could be hurt the way I was. And so I, I'm happy there. And, and do you think enough is being done now to protect young athletes in particular? Yeah, I think we have a ways to go there. We have safe sport now, which we didn't have when I was you know, living with these conditions and suffering the abuse. But for safe sport, you have to go to them. I'd like to see a neutral third party that is constantly checking in with athletes around, around the United States, something that they have to do, almost like an anti-doping drug test that you have to do whether you want to do it or not. And that way you have some communication and you have someone who isn't tied to your sponsor, who isn't tied to your governing body, constantly checking in on you and making sure that you're okay. With your best interests at heart, not exactly. necessarily anything else. We just heard an excerpt from an interview with Kara Goucher, former Olympian and current running commentator, who was part of what was then known as the Nike Oregon Project, which was a very secretive and super elite training program run by Alberto Salazar under the stewardship of Nike, the very large and famous shoe brand. And as her interview intimates, she suffered psychological and physical abuse during her time with the Nike Project and left the Nike Project under kind of a veil of secrecy, but then following several other female athletes who came forward to expose the abuses they had suffered physically and emotionally and at a contract level. Kara, amongst the other women she credits as being both inspiration and strength to come forward with her story, has become a crusader for female and all young athletes to be able to train and exist in safe spaces and to also level the playing field as far as contract obligations are concerned from their sponsors. As with the fallout from the Larry Nassar abuses, Kara's story with Salazar and the Nike Project is not an easy one to listen to, but it's important to hear, and even more important is that all sporting communities keep their eyes and ears open and check in on these young athletes to make sure that they are able to enjoy their sport and compete with a safe environment to do so. While we're here in running land, let's uh, continue on with a documentary about running a 100-mile ultra race called Into the Well.
can you take yourself mentally and physically is a question I often ask people who participate in ultra running. Of all the human activities and sports one can pursue, ultra running definitely takes someone who not only has exceptional physical capabilities, but exceptional mental capabilities. I've read a lot of race reviews from top athletes who will routinely say that They were experiencing hallucinations, that they were crying uncontrollably, lying on the ground, not knowing how they were going to continue. And then they pick themselves up off the ground and somehow manage to complete another 50 or 60 miles to complete a 100-mile race. Into the Well, 100 Miles, 32 Hours, 200 Racers tells a story of a race director and two runners taking on their first 100-mile race running through the nation's newest national park, West Virginia's New River Gorge National Park. This race is not known to be one of the biggest or toughest ultras, and the story that this documentary tells isn't necessarily about running a really tough race or a runner going for a new FKT, which we often hear about in ultra running. FKT is a fastest known time. Into the Well follows the race director and two runners as they take on the biggest challenges of their personal running lives. For professional runners and training partners Holly Ann Swan and Caleb Bowen, this will be their first hundred, pushing well past the distance either has run before. The Rim to River course features 100 mile, 102 miles with a 9,750-foot elevation gain, which to me, does not sound that trivial, even though it's not somehow not considered a hard race. I think all ultras should be considered hard races, although they claim it to be flat as far as 100 milers go. The runners have a 32-hour cutoff to finish. One reviewer of this film says that no one finishes their first 100 miler, the same person as they started, and that seems like a very apt way to describe an ultra race to me. This film should be a great film for anyone, runner or not, who is seeking some inspiration and motivation and a compelling tale of human endurance and transformation. Climbing means something different in Palestine than what it means anywhere else. 
not easy. I've come to the stripe-torn land of Palestine to explore my roots. <laughs> my grandfather. But I discovered a thriving underground climbing scene. I love climbing. Very good for me and my heart. Boom. In a place like this, Guns pointed at us. I was afraid for my life. Climbing, this is your anchor, means more than I ever knew it could. Palestinians, we have a collective trauma. Climbing is an escape from all that. It's becoming a way of resistance, improving. This is our land. The closest thing we can feel to being free. What you just heard there was the trailer for Resistance Climbing. This is a short documentary that came out this year and quickly rose to the ranks of highly decorated at many film festivals, including Mountain Film in Telluride. And as you probably gathered from that trailer, it tells a story of Andrew Bisharat, who is an American climber of Palestinian descent journey over to Palestine to see what one of his pals has been doing over there to create a climbing scene. This was one of those movies that I kind of wished had gone on for two hours, like the Laird Hamilton movie, because there was so much going on in it and so much to unpack. And it's super easy to trivialize our recreation activities as being these little little frills and fancies but as they say in the movie climbing can seem meaningless until it is all you have this film shines a different light on the conflict in the middle east many of us have some preconceived notions or possibly well thought out and well educated notions about what that conflict is about but when you see firsthand from people who are living in these conditions every single day and you know just want to be able to enjoy their lives the way we do and get out and enjoy nature but in their case they might be doing it with bullets flying over their heads or at them here is one of our listener reviews for resistance climbing This review comes to me from Kim, and thank you so much, Kim, for sending in this review of Resistance Climbing. She has to say, Earlier this year, before the war in Gaza broke out, a movie called Resistance Climbing came out. Resistance Climbing is a documentary about a group of West Bank rock climbers who are dedicated to the joy that the sport brings them while living with the struggles of Israeli occupation. A well-known American climber, Andrew Bisharat, whose Palestinian grandparents were evicted from their home country in 1948 to meet fellow American Tim Bruins, who is living in Palestine, developing climbing areas and teaching climbing as a way of empowering lives. What follows is Andrew's surprise of how friendly and open these climbers are despite living under constant control and observation. I think he expected them to be bitter and closed off, yet they were the complete opposite. It seemed that climbing really gave these kids a world where they were able to briefly leave the struggles of their everyday life behind and find joy while focusing on personal goals in climbing. Goals completely unrelated to the challenges presented in their real lives, militarized checkpoints, armed patrols, etc. 
One of the strongest climbers in the film is a Bedouin goat herder who has literally nothing to his name yet opens his home to the Americans and the scene is incredibly moving. The kid tries the hardest climb ever done by a Palestinian and eventually succeeds with all the climbers rooting for him and celebrating what is, in the end, a win of sorts for all of them. This is such a great film that is at the same time heartwarming and heartbreaking. Thank you so much, Kim, for sending in that review, and I echo your sentiments 100%. For me, it was definitely one of those I'm-not-crying-you're-crying types of films. Whether you are a climber or not, I hope you will check out this film. All right, now we're going to move along to something that is a little bit more lighthearted, but I hope equally inspiring. At last, a breath of fresh air. In a place like this, you can let go of whatever weighs you down and fill your lungs with the joy of being outside. I'm in Death Valley, one of the most remote places in the United States. And at 282 feet below sea level, this is North America's ground floor. Rising up around me is a landscape that may seem empty and lifeless. And yet, I can't help but feel a connection to something that makes me feel alive. We think we invent things and create things and define ourselves by ourselves. But that's not the whole story. The truth is, we are co-authors with the world around us. Baratunde Thurston. I'm a writer, activist, sometimes comedian. Well, you can't get any fresher than this. No, we just picked it. And I'm all about exploring the outdoors that shape us as Americans. This country is wild. And its natural landscapes are as diverse as its people. Is adventure racing the thing you do where you make life much harder than it needs to be? Always. <laughs> Always. We are different, man. <laughs> Surfing. What do you get from it? To ride energy that is completely natural and that you have to be there for as it's leaving its last breath. It's just a really profound experience. So this is like a spiritual journey for me. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, unsolved business. If you have a maroon community that's lived up here escaping slavery, with that history, there were no funeral processions. People died in that swamp. Their bones are still there. So some of this land, some of this area is sacred ground. It should be preserved. I enjoy, you know, just this vastness. You know, I go eastern states and see the trees, and you, you can't see 50 feet. I don't like that. I like to see, you know, the distance. You know, people think, you, you know, you're a hermit or something, but I like the isolation, the privacy. 2,000 mile trail, six months. Of course, you're, you're pausing your whole life with this. Where are you starting your life? <laughs> Do me a favor. Close your eyes. What do you feel? I feel calm. I feel like when I'm in the man-made world, 
you have to act a certain way, but when I'm in this space, I don't have to do any of that stuff. To me, that's the de-stress that you can only experience in the outdoors. I think you just described freedom. Yes, I agree. It's very much freedom. America Outdoors, where Baratunde Thurston was one of my favorite accidental discoveries of 2023. The show airs on PBS, and I'm just going to put in right now a little plug for PBS. I like to joke that PBS is my Netflix, and that is in fact true because I don't have any streaming services, but I do have PBS. And there's a lot of great content on PBS. So if you're looking for some great content, this is my little pivot, uh, check out PBS. Support your local PBS station. Get smart as well as being entertained. Back to America Outdoors. What I really love about this show is that um, it is very outdoor recreation based. That is the premise for the whole show. Thurston goes all over the country to experience whatever the local marquee recreation of choice may be. On top of that, he couples his experiences outdoors with guides or athletes with a taste of the culture of the area or the experiences of the person. For example, he goes rafting with a para-athlete and he goes climbing with a trans climber right here in Utah. And if you need a gateway to this show, I would suggest logging on to your PBS station right now and watching the episode Utah Choose Your Path because that is uh, obviously very topical to us and you might just know some of the people featured in that episode. So America Outdoors, Utah Choose Your Path will be airing for free on the PBS website until the 2nd of January, 2004, So get on there and check out this great series. All right, all right. It is time to jump into the Wayback Machine and enjoy this year's Blast from the Past. Enrico Giamonde spends eight hours a day training to be the finest racer in all of Italy. But Enrico has a problem. He's not in Italy. He's in Bloomington, Indiana. Papa! Ciao, Papa! And he's not Enrico Giamonde. I should have hit him when I had the chance. He'd be dead now. Oh, grazie, Santa Santa Maria. He's Dave Stoller. He was as normal as pumpkin pie. And now, look at him. But Dave's not crazy. He's never tired. He's never miserable. He's on the road to adulthood. When I was young, I was tired and miserable. You are numero uno, King Papa. And he's decided to take a little detour at the age of 19. What are we going to do about it? I don't know, dear. We could always strangle him while he's asleep. (laughs) All right! How you doing, guys? Well, we're a little disturbed by the developments in the Middle East, but... Who refused to give up immaturity without a fight. I'm in love. Wind up a bum. Italian bum. I'll tell him he either has to get a job or go to college. Hell, I... 
Don't want to go to college, Dad. The hell with them. What, are you afraid? A little bit. The only thing I'm afraid of is wasting the rest of my life with you guys. I thought that was the whole plan. That we were going to waste the rest of our lives together. I'm leaving soon. Great, Dad. I wish you a nice trip. Me too. I'm not going anywhere. I don't know about that. Breaking away. Somewhere between growing up and settling down. It happens to all of us. Breaking Away is a film from 1979, which was touted as a coming-of-age comedy drama, but it was a little bit more than that for those of us who grew up in the time that The Wayback Machine takes us to. It was an inspirational movie for those of us who gravitated towards lives that were maybe not as... uh, I don't know. Do I want to say cookie cutter or typical as our parents might have wanted us to have? Lives that involved going to college and graduating with a useful degree and settling down with a solid job and two-car garage. Our protagonist, Dave, is obsessed with competitive bike racing and he kind of uh, lives a little bit in a fantasy world where he is... Italian bike racer Enrico Gimonde. Great wide open listener Tim sent in this review of Breaking Away. I'm a bit of a bicycle nerd, so of course it should be no surprise I would give Breaking Away a seat in my top 10 all-time favorite movies list. I've honestly lost count of how many times I've seen this film. But as anyone who has seen this quintessential coming-of-age film can tell you, the characters and the storyline go far deeper than simply a tale of a teenager obsessed with bike racing and all things Italy. Main character Dave Stoller rides around Bloomington, Indiana on his beautiful red Italian Mossy racing bike. And Tim says, I've seen the actual bike in person. He sings Italian opera, falls in love with college girls, drives his parents crazy, and gets in all kinds of mischief with his three best friends, Mooch, Mike, and Cyril. A chief source of their mischief is a rivalry constantly being played out between the cutters, the working class who cut stones in quarries, and the privileged college co-eds. This rivalry inevitably ends up culminating in a clash between Dave and his cutter team versus the fraternity boys for the Little Indy 500 bicycle race title and Bloomington bragging rights. Iconic scenes abound. Mooch literally punches a time clock and breaks it when he quits a job. Dave, riding his rollers outside of his dad's office in a full downpour and another intense scene near the end that involves an injury and a roll of tape. Sorry, we won't give that one away. As a movie trailer voiceover calls it, this is a story of four guys in imminent danger of turning 20 who refuse to give up immaturity without a fight. And Tim says... Maybe it's my immaturity that makes me love this movie so much, but I feel I can relate to each and every character in some way. Do yourself a favor and watch this 1979 classic, and I bet Dave Stoller's exuberance for life will rub off on you. Very well said, Tim, and thank you so much for sending in this review. 
If you missed this movie in 1979 because you weren't born yet, well, it's never too late. You can check it out and uh, let us know what you think. I'd love to hear reviews of our reviews here at Great Wide Open. You can actually leave comments on the kzmu.org website for this show and any of our fine public affairs and news shows. Overall, this is a pretty sweet and endearing movie, and I'm sure that when they made this movie, their intent was to really focus on the coming-of-age aspect of it. But again, for those of us who grew up in a time when breaking away, so to speak, wasn't quite the popular thing to do, this movie was an inspiration and a joy to watch, so I hope you'll check it out. Recreationalists and local populations don't always see eye to eye on things, but what happens when they come together and try to work things out? I talk to people and they say, where do you live? And I say, Emory County. And they say, we don't know where that is. Well, it's in southeast central Utah. Middle of nowhere. Things hadn't changed for a long time around here. Until the climbers started showing up in Joe's Valley. When a ragtag group of climbers stumbles upon a small Utah town. Joe's Valley does everything we've ever looked for in a bouldering area. Like, this is sick. A culture clash ensues. They're doing what? Climbing on our rocks. We're quite a conservative group. A lot of town people really was kind of against the climbers. Are these guys going to kidnap our kids? Can climbers and locals find a way to bridge the divide? Or will it blow up in their faces? We need to connect before it explodes. United States of Joe's was a surprise favorite for me this year. It's not a new film. It came out for Real Rock in 2022. And yes, dear listeners, it is about rock climbing, which you know is my favorite topic to dish about. But somehow I had never encountered this little gem until I started compiling reviews for this show. Climbing, or more specifically bouldering, is the main protagonist, yet a minor character in this film. What it really is about is different groups of people coming together to come up with solutions that best benefit all of the stakeholders, both the climbers who are heavily invested in the natural resources of Joe's Valley, and in the residents of Emory County who found climbing to be a viable way to produce some economic stimulus in their area. Sales are made, rocks are climbed, and two seemingly disparate populations come together and find out that they have more in common than not. Outdoor exploration and forays don't always go exactly as planned and don't always go that well such as in the harrowing Shackleton expedition that was detailed in Endurance. A similarly harrowing tale is detailed in our next book review. The wreck of the HMS Wager took place in 1741, 
after the boat wrecked on a desolate island off the south coast of present-day Chile. What makes this interesting? Well, there was a mutiny that was involved. The wager was a part of a naval squadron bound to attack Spanish interests in the Pacific, and the boat crashed rounding Cape Horn during a raging storm. Apparently, as the story goes, the main body of the crew mutinied and abandoned him and some of his loyal crew members on the island, and the mutineers set off um, for land. Most of the mutineers either died or were abandoned, but the survivors eventually returned to England. And when they returned to England, they told a story of what happened during their ill-fated journey. However, the story was a little bit more complicated than that. David Grant's 2023 accounting of this ill-fated adventure appears on Maureen Corrigan's top 10 list for 2023. Here's what she has to say about the book. David Grant, whose 2017 book, Killers of the Flower Moon, is now a film by Martin Scorsese, wrote a gripping new work of narrative history this year. Part Robinson Crusoe, part Lord of the Flies, The Wager tells the tale of a British ship of that name that broke apart off the coast of Patagonia in 1741. Some of the stranded sailors patched together a rickety vessel and sailed 2,500 miles to Brazil. But then a second group of sailors from the wager miraculously surfaced, and the official survival story became much more complicated. diagnosed with this really rare eye disease. I remember listening to my brothers out there playing basketball and just really wanting to be part of that and really sort of angry because, you know, what was I going to do? People react to bad things is that they shut down and they build a lot of crust around themselves and I am the first person who does that and yet something keeps nagging at me telling me that that's the exact wrong thing to do lay it open Weight of Water is a documentary that came out in 2022 and features renowned mountain climber, mountaineer, and notably blind mountaineer Eric Weinheimer paddling the Colorado River. 
He says, I've climbed Mount Everest, so why am I so bleeping scared? Given that he is blind, that might be an easy question to answer. This documentary was produced by Emmy Award-winning director Michael Brown, and it follows Wyan Myers' journey 277 miles down the Grand Canyon, joined by another uh, blind kayaker named Lonnie Bedwell. The suggestion for review for this film was sent to us by Josie, who says, Eric Weyenmeyer often speaks of alchemizing adversity. Eric is a kayaker and mountaineer, an adventurer and activist. He also went blind as a child. The first blind person to summit Everest, Eric's alchemy is well documented in films such as The Weight of Water, which chronicles his kayaking descent of the Grand Canyon, as well as this year's short by Timmy O'Neill, Soundscape. Josie also sent us in another recommendation. Another film that powerfully explores alchemizing adversity is Jeff Lowe's Metanoia, telling this tale of Jeff's first life as a legendary alpinist and then his second life facing ALS, a neurodegenerative disease that eventually lands him in a wheelchair and forging a new identity based not on physical feet but on a complex interior life. As athletes, we are all often defined by what we can do, but the inevitable specter of losing those abilities, whether through old age or illness, parenthood or circumstance, is always with us. These stories bring to light the grace that can be found within that loss and transformation. Thank you, Josie, for sending us that review and recommendation. Continuing on with Misadventure, or as we have said before on this show, When Good Wreck Goes Bad is The Trail of the Lost by Andrea Langford. And review for this book, or suggestion for review for this book, was sent in by Emily and Teresa. And here is the synopsis of Trail of the Lost. From a former law enforcement park ranger and investigator, this female-driven true crime adventure follows the author's quest to find missing hikers along the Pacific Crest Trail by pairing up with an eclectic group of unlikely allies. As a park ranger with the National Park Service's law enforcement team, Andrea Langford led search and rescue missions in some of the most beautiful and dangerous landscapes across America, from Yosemite to the Grand Canyon. But though she had the support of the agency, Andrea grew frustrated with the service's bureaucratic idiosyncrasies and left the force after 12 years. Two decades later, however, she stumbles across a mystery that pulls her right back where she left off. Three young men have vanished on the PC tree, Sorry, the Pacific Crest Trail, the 2,650-mile trek made famous by Cheryl Strade's Wild, and no one has been able to find them. It's bugging the heck out of her. Andrea's concern soon leans her to a wild environment unlike any she's ever ventured into, missing person Facebook groups. Andrea launches an investigation, joining forces with an eclectic team of amateurs who are determined to solve the case, a mother of the missing, a retired pharmacy manager, and a map maker who monitors terrorist activity for the government. Together, they track the activities of the kidnappers and murderers, investigate a cult, rescue a psychic in peril, cross paths with an unconventional scientist, and reunite an international fugitive with his family. Searching for the missing is a brutal psychological and physical test with the highest stakes, but eventually their hardships begin to bear strange fruits, ones that lead them to places and people they never saw coming. All right, this is another one that I have not yet read, but I am for sure putting on my list for 2024. 
Okay, I'm going to wrap up this Meteor Review Show with another book recommendation. I have not yet read this book. The name of the book is Ben Outside, Adventures of Black Women, Non-Binary, and Gender Non-Conforming People in Nature. And I read a review by James Edward Mills of the Joy Trip Project. So I'm just going to quote you some of what he has to say about this book. Encompassing four major themes, identity, inspiration, ancestry, and stewardship, Ben Outside explores the relationship between nature, science, and self through essays and poems from leading black women and non-binary scientists. Edited by Amy Wendler and Shaz Zamore, stories from 22 writers showcase both the challenges and joys of carving out your own path in an outdoor life. This collection highlights the vast expanse of the outdoor experience. Camille Mosley contemplates the rich fishing history of Black Americans and how that relates to their career in freshwater ecology. Sharon Dorsey reflects on how it felt to finally meet a wildlife professor who looks like her. Tanisha Williams shares her powerful emotional journey of returning to South Africa to study plants. These essays and more reflect on the outdoor experience through both personal and intersectional lens while looking at the historical context of being a black woman or a gender non-conforming person in the outdoor space. Ben Outside also promotes collective action toward making the outdoor community more inclusive and welcoming to all and invites readers to join in that quest. The Joy Trip Project has also hosted a discussion with co-editor Amber Wendler, and you can check that out in a link in bio on the Joy Trip Project Instagram. That wraps another year at large media mashup mashdown here on Great Wide Open. I hope that you have enjoyed this hour. And again, you can listen to this show streaming on the kzmu.org website or wherever you get your pods. I hope you have a great wide open day and a great wide open year. If you find yourself experiencing spontaneous euphoria, taking yourself less serious, and being in a good mood for no apparent reason, maybe it was from being in nature. Do you find yourself longing for the apocalypse? I did. I was looking for a reason to live. Hi. Are you feeling tired, irritable, stressed out? Well, you might consider nature. From the people that brought you getting outside comes prescription strength nature, a non-harmful medication shown to relieve the crippling symptoms of modern life. Nature's recommended for humans of all ages, and it's great for pets too. Nature can reduce cynicism, meaninglessness, anal retentiveness, and murderous rage. In clinical studies, nature has proven to decrease work-induced catatonia. Caution. Nature may cause you to slow down, quit your job, or seriously consider what the f*** you're doing with your life. If you are overly cynical, jaded, or emotionally numb, you may need to increase your dose of nature. Do you have trouble being even mildly uncomfortable? Nature may not be right for you. Side effects may include spontaneous euphoria, taking yourself less seriously, and being in a good mood for no apparent reason. So ask your doctor if nature is right for you.